Hey everyone. Hey. This is Linda and Drew Scott. Welcome to At Home. This is a show where we chat with artists, experts, dreamers, and doers, makers and leaders on the impact that they're creating in the world starting at home. Whether it's big or small, we want to share their experiences to inspire you. We dive into their passions, the challenges, and their relationships with themselves, their communities, and the planet. Ruby, checking mm-hmm. in. Okay. How are your New Year's resolutions going? Uh, they're going great. I mean, I, I always have resolutions year round. It's not just New Year's. So. Uh, okay, everyone. Do to do lists count as resolutions? Yeah. I guess. I guess that's like an for action me, plan for you. For me, it does. I mean, I guess the newest things are are stay on top of food, like diet, eating healthier. I still have my cheat days, but I think overall I've been good with that. <laughs> Organizing my tech stuff. Mm-hmm. That's my nerdy obsession, and I really like that I'm getting organized with that. How mm-hmm. about you? Um, I didn't make a list of like resolutions. I made a list of like needs and wants, and then as our friend Justin encouraged us to do, we came or I came up with my word of the year. Mm-hmm. Did you come up with yours? Yeah, sure. Okay. I'll make mine, it up right now. Mine was slow. I think I'm. Definitely I'm trying slow. to do more things. You are no, definitely I'm trying slow. to do less things <laughs> and more important things. So do less, but get more out of that less. Yeah, we'll we'll rework the, the wording. I'm <laughs> my word is make it happen. That's three words. No, but when I say it, I, I say it all together like Captain Picard. Make it so. Make it happen. So uh, that's, yeah, that's my one word. But I would say actually the working out side of things is I'm happy with that because I've been very steady. I'm glad I got the gym in the garage mm-hmm, so that now too. with all the gyms out there closed, I think everyone's looking online for workouts too. So thank goodness for people like our friend Cassie Ho, who we're chatting with today, who's a fitness instructor. Yes. Thank goodness for them because it feels like kind of like going to a class and you know how hard it is to get me to work out. <laughs> Cassie's workouts and challenges are fun. So if, it, if it feels like a game, then I'm into it. And also she's just an all around rock star. She's an entrepreneur, a designer. So she started her blog Lottie's YouTube channel way back in 2009. And now she has over 5.4 million subscribers. Popsters. Yes, popsters. And a brand new blog Lottie's home fitness equipment line at Target. Yes. So we thought this was a great time to chat with her about her health journey to inspire us to stay on track. And I think for me, the biggest takeaway in sitting down with Cassie is realizing how much of an emotional journey it is when you decide to take on your health and fitness and passions or whatever your goals are. And that so much of it has to do with the health of our relationships. She talked about how she's still in the midst of figuring out how to navigate her relationship with her parents, from whom you would expect an outpouring of support. But in reality, they're one of the main hurdles that she had to overcome when pursuing her dreams. Mm -hmm. It was so painful and emotional to hear but at the same time, encouraging because unfortunately we do all have these voices in our lives, whether it's from a family member or friend, not sure what kind of friend that would be though, um, or whether it's people online leaving toxic comments telling us what we can or can't do or how to do it or shaming us for one thing or another. So it was really helpful to hear how someone like Cassie deals with all of that. Ultimately, we hope that her story invites you to look at what healthy living means to you personally. (laughs) 
Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks. (laughs) My security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. (laughs) Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Let's jump into our conversation with Cassie about how she rediscovered her joy and purpose in health and fitness, starting with how she defines healthy living. Healthy living is finding the joy in everything that you do. It's your workout, your sleep, your relationships, your business, everything. Um, It's not just physical, it's mental, it's emotional, it's spiritual. That is truly what healthy living is. It's different for every single person. And like you said, it's going to look different on every single person. And I think that's the problem with social media or media in general, right? Mm -hmm. You get this picture that is painted for you, telling you how a woman or man should look. And that's just one aspect of it. And honestly, a lot of times to look like the people you see on social media or on magazine covers, it's not even healthy to get there. That's a facade. There's also obviously Photoshop and extreme dieting to get your muscles to pop. Yeah, it's that was one thing. I did a, a fitness competition when I was younger and that was the first time I had seen behind the curtains of the things that people do to get that extra ripped look right before the competition, starving yourself um, and then sort of carb binging and then yeah. um, dehydrating your body with uh-huh. no, no, it was so unhealthy. And it just blows my mind that that is what people see in magazines or on TV as the goal for being healthy. Yeah. Can you, can, you have experience with that as well. Can you talk a bit about how that yeah. kind of set off your journey? There is, are definitely a lot of post negative effects in my opinion, because I don't think I was prepared for what I was going into. So it was 2012. I remember this very specifically. I started seeing some pictures of bikini competitors online and I was like, huh, I really want to see how far I can push myself um, to see if I can get there and build that muscle mass and everything. So I hired a professional bodybuilder trainer to trained me in eight weeks to get ready for the bikini competition stage. And during that whole process, it was actually like fun because someone was giving me like a plan. I had something to accomplish. It was in, within a very specific time frame, So I like that kind of stuff. And like I said, I'm a really obedient uh, student. And so I just listened to everything that he said, which was a part of why the after effects were so bad because at certain po- I had to weigh myself every day. And we did sometimes four-hour workouts, two-a-days. I was drinking a gallon of water, only eating chicken breast, broccoli, and a squeeze of lemon, and protein powder and egg whites. I had to count my almonds. Like, it it was only eight weeks, so I was, you know, I was going to do it. And so I eventually 
looked great. I thought muscles popping, ab lines, the whole thing. But I never really had a booty because I don't know Asian genetics for me at least. I just don't have that much <laughs> You're of a just booty. Not born with it. <laughs> I, mean, I know. Yeah. So anyway, went on stage. Um, I didn't place very high. There were so many women there with like these implants because when you lose so much fat, you lose the fat from your boobs too. So then it was interesting for me to see how in this competition, at least for women, everything needs to be naturally sculpted, but it was okay to add implants. Yeah, It just didn't, it was a little contradictory. Yeah. And, um, And then I felt really weird because once you're on stage, there's like a panel of kind of middle aged men that are Judging you as you're wearing almost nothing. You're kind of like bending over so they could see your glute structure. It was just a little bit weird. It's a lot Um, bit weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot bit weird. Afterwards, um, I decided to go back to eating normal, healthy, you know, like quinoa. Wow, right? (laughs) I started to gain weight like crazy. I had actually damaged my metabolism and my body ballooned for the next two years. And the really hard part was while I was losing weight for the competition, I was still posting videos on YouTube. So everyone was like, wow, you look so good. You look so good. And then I started, as soon as I started gaining weight healthily, everyone was like, oh, do your workouts not work anymore? Like, why are you getting mm. so fat? If you care about your career, you wouldn't get so fat. And I started getting a lot of these mm. body shaming comments after my bikini competition. And it was for the next two to three years that I really had to dig deep and really find that positivity for my body because I wasn't, that's not what I was being told across all the messages that I was seeing. And you know, what's, I think what is really good for any of our listeners to, to hear is that, cause you are a confident person, you're in a, you're there and you motivate and inspire other people, but even somebody who's confident has certain insecurities and that can eat away at you and eat away at you, um, in a negative way. And so what were the steps that you actually took then to get yourself past that, that sort of negative thought and try to repair your metabolism and repair your body? Yeah, repairing the metabolism really did have to take a couple years. Um, I had to stop restricting myself. I allowed myself to eat literally whatever I wanted because if it was so weird. If I ate pizza, sometimes I would lose weight. If I ate a green salad, I would gain weight. Like it was so messed up that I was like, this isn't a plus and minus calories game anymore. This is you need to heal. So mm-hmm. that was the part of... Um, for nutritionally. Uh, Secondly, I stopped weighing myself on the scale because that became a really toxic behavior because mentally I was allowing myself to let that number tell me what I was worth as a person. Mm -hmm. So I needed to step away from the scale. Um, And then workout wise, it was interesting too, because I think during this healing period, I lost what working out meant to me. It wasn't bringing me joy. And it almost was like, this maintenance chore that I kept having to do if I wanted to have a certain physique. And even then it wasn't working. So uh, during these two years, it was pretty tough for me, but mentally I was telling myself, Cassie, it's not about the way that you look. It's about what skills you can bring to this world, what positivity Mm -hmm. you can bring to this world. And I began to appreciate other parts of my being instead of just my physical shell. And I feel like after two to three years of that, I was then ready to jump in and dive really deep into building up the new me. And that's when Mm -hmm. I started my 90 day journey last year. Um, And that has been really, truly transformational. And we've joined in on some of your challenges that you've done online. Actually, we did the squatting challenge with you too a a year or so ago, which that, oh my God, I could barely walk for the next two days. (laughs) 
But um, <laughs> to be honest, though, I haven't done anything for ninety days straight. So kudos to you for <laughs> for sticking it out, even with all of the you know toxic comments you know from on online. Yes, you're doing a really positive journey, like exploring yourself and building yourself in a healthy way, but you're Feeling still getting negative comments. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's such a tough thing to manage because you're showing up as your true self and you're mm-hmm. being so transparent about it. But then people on the outside are still judging you for for not representing a, a positive body image what correctly. Yeah. yeah, so I think that... You see, what's interesting is that Blogilates is a brand, right? But then there's Cassie Ho, the human, (laughs) the girl who's going through stuff. And I'm going to share my stuff because that's Mm -hmm. normal. And and actually, it's really therapeutic for me to be able to Mm -hmm. write blog posts and captions about how I'm genuinely feeling, which Mm -hmm. I feel like not a lot of people will do because... Sometimes the truth scares people. And that's what I realized during my 90-day journey. So um, for those of you who are listening who don't know, basically it was last year, last summer, I wasn't feeling like myself anymore because I had started turning into this vanilla cupcake of being what all the comments wanted me to be. And I was like, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to start writing exactly how I feel. This has to stop if I'm going to continue doing this and putting myself out there. So I said, I was going to go on a 90-day journey to discover myself. I'm going to write every single day. Um, Also going to get in the best shape of my life mentally and physically. And that meant I was... I needed to shed off some weight because there was toxicity um, in so many different areas of my life that had physically turn into extra mm-hmm. weight on my body. Yeah. And I think that can be understandable for people who have gone through something like that. So just to be clear, the 90 day yeah. journey, it wasn't just a fitness journey. It was mm-hmm. a creative, mental, emotional, and, and health, right? Like yeah. it was everything. For me, that's what it was. Okay. And I tried to convey that, but all people saw was, she's going on a weight loss journey, Mm. which, yeah, that was like one component in it because fitness is such a big part of my life. Of course, there's a fitness component, but that's what all the articles Mm. circulating around the internet started to write about. Cassie Ho has gone on a weight loss journey. This is so controversial. She's no longer body positive. And I have so much to say about body positivity and weight loss because I think it's not one or the other. It can be both if you're Mm -hmm. doing it in a healthy way and you Mm -hmm. know why you're doing it. Um, So anyway... There's so much controversy controversy at the very beginning of the journey. But the interesting thing was people kept following along. And after the 90 days, um, the people who stuck around were like, I'm really sorry for being upset at you in the beginning. Because mm-hmm. so many people were like, you've changed. You're despicable to all womankind. Like, it was really bad. Wow. Um, and the ones who stuck around understood finally I see why you did what you had to do and understood that I came out the other end becoming even more confident and more like myself. And I think that that's such an important message too for people is don't just judge, uh, try and understand. And and I think it it does make it more relatable for a lot of people who are going through a similar um, situation in their own lives to be able to see you, someone they've looked up to who is not just polished perfect like like a lot of people especially in the health and fitness world as mm-hmm. you're saying too they want to have this image that looks perfect there's nothing wrong in their life they're strong as a rock you're a human being everyone has ups and downs everyone has insecurities and to be able to show that and show your journey will help strengthen a lot of people in in your community as well and i really like that you were saying to yourself to stop getting on the scale because that's the one thing i learned early on when i was training with people too uh is that 
especially women, even more than men, um, love to hop on a scale every day to see if my, my eating limit, li- limiting my eating or working out more, burning more calories is really helping me get healthy. But what they don't understand is stepping on a scale is not telling you if you're getting healthy because if you weigh yourself after drinking a ton of water, if you weigh yourself before or after going to the bathroom, if you weigh yourself in the morning as opposed to the evening, there are so many things that can fluctuate your weight by a matter of pounds, not just half a pound, um, that it, yeah. it throws people off mentally. So what I would always say to clients instead is if it's a physical thing you're looking for, just look at what, you know, certain aspects of your body that are making you feel good or mm-hmm. instead of just focusing on the weight on the scale. Yeah. Absolutely. And during my 90 day journey, I did get myself to step on the scale, but I also measured myself. I also tested my clothes. Like, but you have to be mentally prepared for that because it took two to three years of me tossing the scale in order to realize, well, here's the thing. The thing with the scale is there's so many different levels of your relationship with it, right? Mm-hmm. First, there's a scale as a tool, which I feel like uh, a lot of men, like my husband, are just like, oh, you just kept on scales, no big deal. <laughs> it's such a different story for women, or at least for me. Um, then there's a relationship of the scale where you step on it and you allow it to dictate your self-worth. Now, that's a toxic relationship. So at that point, you should let it go. But then there's this interesting limbo period where you don't want to step on the scale because you're actually afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not a good thing either. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to to understand that the scale is just a tool and it's extra information. So yeah. where I wanted to be during my 90-day journey was to be able to not let the scale have power over me so that I could step on it, see the number and be like, okay, information, data point. I'm not going to let you dictate how much I'm worth. And at the beginning of the 90 day journey, it was really hard to do that because it was mm-hmm. shocking to be, to step on this machine again. Um, but by the end, I was totally, hopefully um, as freed as my husband is when he steps mm-hmm. on the scale. And, and I think that's, that's great to, to get rid of those fears because yeah, you're right. The, the scale is not the be all end all. I mean, mm-hmm. that is just one component of what can give you an idea or more information about healthy living. And the fact too is, depending on what kind of workout you're doing, if you're putting on muscle, like you said, when back when you're doing that competition, mm-hmm. if you're trying to burn fat while you're putting on muscle, well, certain things are offsetting. So it's not yep. like you're going to have massive weight loss because you have this dense muscle that's building underneath that, that layer of fat. Yeah. So, Yep. What, what sort of mental or, or emotional exercises did you do or do you continue to do? I, like I said, I love journaling. I write down how I feel and what I'm going through. Um, other therapeutic things I like to do for myself to relax because I don't actually meditate in the normal way, but I find meditation through stretching and deep tissue massage. Mm. Now we obviously can't do that right now, but Sam. if you get like a... Yeah, well, <laughs> I will ask my husband to do it for me. He'll go like three and a half minutes and like, it's over. It's not enough time. (laughs) I'll I'll work on one muscle. I'm like, okay, good night. Yeah, exactly. It's like only one part of my back. So you get a nice like tennis ball or um, lacrosse ball. You just stick it under your sore muscle. You just kind of lay there and like roll back. Oh, it's so good. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one with a husband who can only last for two minutes when it comes to massages. Whoa, ouch. I feel (laughs) Sam's pain. I'm trying. I'm sure Uh, it's just, I'm sideways massaging as I sleep. I am being generous with the two minutes. (laughs) Coming up, we asked Cassie about her childhood dreams. And how she had to overcome the emotional struggle of living up to her parents' expectations and being told that she would never make it if she tried to become a designer.
ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. <laughs> Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. We're always interested in what home life was like and how that helps shape us into who we are today. Because regardless of whether that experience was all sunshine and roses... Which it rarely is. Mm -hmm, our home life becomes the foundation of what we create and bring into the world. So we asked Cassie what life was like growing up. What was it like growing up? Well, I grew up with really strict immigrant parents. My mom came on a boat from Vietnam in 1975. Uh, my dad flew over for a college education during the war, luckily. And um, they grew up, I grew up and they really wanted me to be either a doctor, a lawyer, or they said I was going to be a failure. And what I really wanted to do was become a fashion designer. I've been sketching clothes and all sorts of things ever since I was a kid. But my dad always told me, you're never going to make it that way. You're going to make no money, have no friends, and you're just not going to do that. So really early on, my dreams of becoming a designer were crushed. And I ended up going to school for biology. I was about to take the MCAT, but at this time, my heart was just feeling so crippled and sunken because I wasn't letting what I was meant to do happen. And I kept fighting with my parents. We kept arguing and they basically were like, if you don't go through this, go through with this, you're not going to be our kid. And it was just crazy. What? Um, yeah, it, it was really, really bad. And I was crying a lot and actually had really dark thoughts while I was in college. I wasn't sure if I was meant to make myself happy or my parents happy. You know, they always pull out the, we came to America and gave you a good life. The least you could do is, you know, do this for the family name. And the only thing I knew how to do was to change the course of my life was to sabotage myself. So I was on this really specific track to take the MCAT, to get into med school and do the whole thing. And the last class I needed to take the MCAT was organic chemistry. So two weeks into the course, I decided I'm just going to screw over my entire schedule. I'm going to drop out of OCHEM and ruin everything. And that's what I did. And my parents were so mad, but it was in that moment that I found the power to create my own destiny. And I began designing yoga bags and gym bags. And um, I mean, that's how the educational part of it started. And I also started teaching Pilates in college. I ended up graduating with an honors in biology anyway, but um, my, the first corporate job that I got was actually to become a fashion buyer. I was over on the East Coast and um, that didn't turn out so well, but I was designing yoga bags the whole time, teaching Pilates, and eventually that started to work out as I started my YouTube channel. You can tell it's definitely something that still affects her deeply. You know, to never feel like you're enough, that can weigh so heavily on someone no matter how successful your business is. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're lucky that we grew up with parents who really encouraged us to go after our passions. I mean, I know when I, I told my parents I wanted to be an actor, Obviously, they had their concerns and they were hoping I would get an education to have some sort of a backup plan, but they never told me no. Mm -hmm. But we do owe so much to our parents, especially being kids of immigrant parents. We understand that life itself, our safety, our security, they were all hard won. Your dad had a long journey at a young age, all the way from Scotland. And my parents, like Cassie's, were boat people who fled from Vietnam. So I was wondering, even though she was at odds with her parents, if she still felt like she owed them her happiness, 
or if she still felt an obligation to live up to their standards of success. For sure. I mean, I grew up to be a really obedient person in general, and I always wanted to overachieve. And my parents instilled that kind of thinking and drive in me. And I really appreciate that um, because it sculpted me to become the person I am today. However, I think it got to some points where it was them pushing their dreams onto me instead of instilling that type of positive behavior and letting me explore what my actual true passions Mm -hmm. were. So it's fascinating that the start of your path and, and your passion for healthy living and, and everything that you do and fashion design and, and whatnot, it all started with you sabotaging yourself. And it, it's so interesting, like you're saying, you're sabotaging what the path was that you were on to get to where you are. And did you, did you eventually sort of stand up to your parents and, and say to them, no, this isn't what I want. This is what you want. Here's my path. Or did you just let them believe that you just really suck at chemistry? No, I... See, this is the really hard part because I've been an AP honors student from the very beginning and it it's like the grades also didn't help the fact that I didn't want to do it. Um, and so I told them many, when I was, when I was 16, I told my dad, I wanted to become a fashion designer. And, he, and that's when he told me you would never make it. And from that point on, I still kept telling them, you know, I want to do this. Maybe I could do it on the side. Maybe I would just, mm. just give me a chance to try this. And they would shun every opportunity that I could to design stuff. Um, and so it was an ongoing argument. And honestly, like to this day, I'm still healing. Um, oh my gosh, I'm getting emotional now, but mm. I, my relationship with my parents is still hard. Oh. Yeah. So still to this day though, I, I think it's, now I'm getting emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's like weird I'm getting emotional for it. Okay, I'm like teary-eyed. There's so much that that you have done, so much that you've succeeded in because you're driven, you're you're smart and you're passionate, yet you still haven't had the support from the two people um, that you thought would be your biggest supporters or that you would hope would be your biggest supporters, your parents. So tell us a bit more about that struggle and why, why is it that even after you've had all the success, they're still not understanding that you can make a living and be happy doing what you love to do? Mm. You know, as I've gotten older, I've begun to understand why my parents did what they, or said what they told me when I was younger. And they really just wanted to make sure I was financially stable, which I understand, especially when, you know, my mom lost everything on a boat, stranded on an island in Malaysia before she even came to Canada, then eventually the United States. So she has this survival mentality and she just wanted me to be safe. So I get it. Um, But it was still really hurtful to have my dreams kind of just slashed in front of me before I even had a chance to try. So I'm glad that I was able to, you know, push past that negativity, even though it was them showing their love, just not in the way that was working for me. I really had to stop talking to them um, in order to find space for me to thrive as a person. And eventually, you know, here's the thing. I think my parents are happy for me, but it's, it, I don't know what it is. It's them still parenting me and treating me as if I'm like a six-year-old kid who doesn't know what I'm mm-hmm. doing sometimes. Maybe parents will always be like that. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it, it's just a lot of them wanting even more out of me, yeah. if that makes any sense. Let's talk about your sister because in all of this, 
it seems that you guys are very close. So mm. can you talk about how that relationship helped you through throughout, you know, your childhood and even now with all of your success? Obviously, she sees you through throughout the ups and downs. So can you talk about how that relationship has helped you? Yeah, my sister has always kind of been like the rebellious one in the family. She um, does what she wants and doesn't listen to my parents as much. She still listens to them. Um, but my relationship with my sister has been really amazing. And I feel like we forged our own little family with mm -hmm. me and Sam, my husband, um, and Jacqueline and Nick, who is her fiance. And I feel like that that's like my family family. And like, I want to have a much better relationship with my parents. I just feel like there's a lot of old stuff that keeps reappearing in new conversations because it's almost mm. like we haven't healed from the past. You have this massive brand. You have an apparel brand, PopFlex. And then you have what you've launched at Target with your Blogilates brand. Your parents have got to be proud of you with all the success that you've grown. For sure. But I just feel like it's never enough. It's um, in so many different ways. And there's always commentary about, you know, well, how much are you making here? How much did th this cost you? And like just a lot, just a lot. And it doesn't allow me to share the joy, but it's almost like constant digging and asking. And like, maybe they, they just want to know, but the way that they do it just makes me, I don't know, feel a little bit belittled or something. Is, is that in you though too? Because I feel that, that from what you said before, um, you have a drive in you that you're always going to want more. Do you, do you have a hard time enjoying the process? Do you just want to get to that end goal? <laughs> um, I actually... So I am a very, very driven person and I live my life in challenges at a time. I think I feel like I, mm. I go even faster that way. And I thrive off of, I get more creative when there are actually more problems and challenges. I just mm. kind of like it. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> I well, well, as you were saying your, your parents, they just, um, like, they, they always want, want more. more. They want more. They want oh. more from you. And I feel like a lot of parents are like that. They want the best for their yeah. child. But I almost feel from some of the stuff that you've said to us um, while we've known you over the years too, is that you have a bit of that in yourself. You'll never yeah. really be happy with what is here, even if you've achieved this, because you always want more. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. Um, that's something that either they instilled in me or it's just inside in my genes or something. But I never think it's, enough. And I have to continue evolving in order to be happy. I think that's a part of my happiness. If I don't mm -hmm. see growth either internally or whatever, then I feel like I'm stagnant. And I feel like that feeling of, I don't want to call it stillness because I think stillness is a good thing, but of not growing is something that's really scary to me. And I'm not talking about follower growth. I'm talking mm -hmm. about anything, like yeah. even learning a new skill. Like there's mm -hmm. something that has to be going on all the time in order for me to feel at peace. Yeah. And Sam is very different. He is content. He's like, we could stop right now. We could have stopped five years ago. He'd be really, really happy. But I just like need that energy to thrive. I feel you when you say like, you have to continue evolving because you'll feel stagnant. And I think that is just the nature of those who want to create, to create anything, whether it's creating a new skill set or putting something out into the world. Um, yeah, I think there is an importance to, to stillness, but also mm -hmm. growth. 
I've had to teach myself to enjoy the journey because sometimes I got so goal driven that I, I, there was no fun being around me when I was so driven because I yeah. just wanted to get there. Yeah. Now I think I've matured a little bit that I can enjoy the path. But with saying that, if I didn't have something that I was continuing to grow and go after, I wouldn't feel fully content just doing what I'm doing today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree with you. As we shift our conversation about her family life to the family she's created online, I just want to take a moment to marvel at the strong sense of community Cassie has built. I deal with a love-hate relationship with social media, but when I see people like Cassie truly sharing herself and rallying people around a joy for healthy living and positively affecting people in their lives, it makes me so happy and it makes me want to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's proof that we get what we put in in anything that we do. I mean, she's cultivated a family of passionate popsters. She has millions of fans around the world who look forward to taking an active part in their own healthy journeys. And thanks to Cassie, they're having fun doing it. Yeah, I feel like the relationship with my community and social media in general has been extremely positive. I let the negative comments get to me more than I should, but I think a lot of people, it's, it's normal, right? You get a million good comments, you get one bad one, and that's the one that you just like stick with yeah, for whatever I reason. I mean, it's like a survival tactic. Um, but seeing the fans do the workouts um, and then going out to Target to get the stuff and post and like actually cry over this announcement mm. has been really cool, right? Because usually when you do some type of promotional post, fans don't like it, you're selling something. But it's like they've been, it, a lot of them have been working out with me since 2009 on YouTube when there was no AdSense, there was no money making. I literally was sharing a video to share with my 40 students at 24 Hour Fitness before I was moving from LA to the East Coast for my first job and no one else was teaching Pop Pilates. So it was that intention and that that has stuck with me this entire time just to share and teach and share and teach. And it's really built up this beautiful, kind community of people who mm. want to work out and um, they feel like their friend has accomplished something and they're genuinely proud, which is mm -hmm. really, really cool. How does your passion for your blog, Alati's brand and, and the growth of what you do with your community, how does that uh, affect your relationship uh, with Sam? Is it, does it grow you guys together or is it something that's like there's work time and then there's time together? <laughs> that's something that we continue to struggle with because our work time and our time together and all of it, everything, it's all one and the same, especially now that we're quarantining at home. It's just like constant. Um, Sam and I luckily are really good business partners and really good, I guess, hus husband and wife. I was about to say love partners, but that sounds <laughs> like weird. Tell us more. You're really good um, lovers. How? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, we really compliment one each other in our weaknesses, in our strengths. And I'm really grateful for that. And the reason, and we actually barely get into fights because if and when we do, we back down on our egos, realize what the situation is, realize what the end goal needs to be. And we're like, we have the same end goal. Let's figure this out. And I'm very much a problem solving type of personality. I don't like to dwell a lot in like, you know, the heat of the argument. I just want to get to the end result real quick. Mm -hmm. um, and also I have a really, <laughs> I don't have a great memory. So I'll just forget arguments of the past anyway. So like we were really good. <laughs> Different than my mom though. She will remember things that have been done to her like 35, 40 years ago. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, but my relationship <laughs> with Sam, um, we are still working on how to separate our 
romantic relationship from our business relationship because we are constantly talking about the business. And I know a lot of couples who work together deal with the same thing. Um, And it's hard to when your business is growing so rapidly and it needs all your attention. And you do both get really excited over Mm -hmm. the numbers and things that you're seeing in store. But we have to remember to actually carve out time aside for each other the same way I carve out time for my workout and things like that. Like I actually think we may need to start putting it on the schedule or something we're, like that. We're already there. That's- okay, yeah. Yeah, we just, I mean, we weren't always like that, but we've realized spontaneity is great and mm-hmm. it feels really cool and sexy and romantic. and romantic, but it's hard to get to that point because when both people really enjoy what they do and we're lucky, you know, to have that, um, yeah, we do have to be more intentional about the time we spend together and like the time we want to spend together. Like well, we can't just say like, I want to spend more time, you know, alone. We have to schedule it. But in. that's also the thing. A lot of people can't relate to a couple working together. I mean, we, we literally, we run business together and obviously we're married too. And I, I, I think I, a lot of people can, because e- even if you're not running a business together, you are, you're running a family together, which right. is so much true, more true. work. You're, you know, mm-hmm. the kids schedules and then like, all this other stuff. So but, I, but I used to, no, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But I, and I used to be the one, I mean, I still think it's great to schedule romantic time. And Linda used to make fun of me for it. She's like, that is the most unromantic yeah. thing in the world. <laughs> and I'm like, we have to do it. Otherwise we're not going to do it. And, uh, and now we're both on the same page. We're like, Oh, tomorrow is going to be romantic time. We're gonna have a bath. Okay. Let's have a bath. <laughs> so, there we go. We're, we're with you hundred percent on that. But I, I do love you guys are sort of that, that, that yin, yin and yang sort of, you balance each other out perfectly. And I think it's the same for us. All right. So yeah. what's your what's your personal goals moving forward uh, this coming year and also for your popsters? Okay. Personal goals this coming year is to continue to grow the business. Um, this past year has actually been really amazing for my um, activewear brand, Pop Flex, and also for my design journey in general. So I want to continue creating more products, releasing more products, and getting even crazier with my designs. It just makes me so happy. Um, And then uh, our team has also been growing too. We've been able to add more amazing team members, which is really, I mean, for anyone who runs a business out there, you know that hiring is the scariest part of running a business. And I'm really grateful for the team that we have now. So I want to continue growing that so that we can do more and be more impactful. And in terms of popsters, um, I want to continue making workouts for everyone. I want us to work out more and also increase our instructor army. So getting more people certified in Pop Pilates so that they can go out and teach in their own communities. Because for me, I think working out with someone virtually is great, but there is nothing that can replace that in-person feeling. Now, obviously we're in pandemic times. That's been tough for the gym industry, but we're going to get out of this at some point. So it's a good time mm-hmm. to study, um, mm-hmm. learn the practice so that when it's time to get out there and be with people in a room again, we can all motivate each other in a room because that energy is irreplaceable. Yeah. We are also looking forward to the day where we experience the energy of being in a room full of people again. Yes. Until then, we'll keep doing our Blogilates workouts. And it's wonderful to see Cassie doing what she's always wanted to do despite the naysayers. Cassie says that she is still working on her relationship with her parents and that will probably be an ongoing conversation. In the meantime, she continues to blog regularly as this is her way of working through thoughts and emotions. By the way, her recent launch of Blogilates home fitness equipment at Target received such a huge warm welcome from her popsters. I just got my weights and resistant bands and socks and 
they do make me want to work out more. And you know, for me, that is a huge feat. That's the first time you've ever been mentioned as having huge feet. (laughs) (laughs) I need so much coaxing when it comes to working out. Oh, after our chat, Cassie walked us through five very simple but surprisingly effective exercises to get us moving. Uh, I could feel the burn for days. Check out that video on our YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes. And of course, follow along and join in on all the fitness challenges Cassie creates. She has so many fun projects on the go and she truly does bring joy and purpose to her community. By the way, now that you have your workout equipment, should we go hammer out a few reps? Let's do it. And we want to say a huge thank you to our homies, Brandon Angelino, Hannah Pham, Courtney Owanis, Wesley Friend, Chris Cobain, Annalie Bell, and also for our music, Feels Like Home, Chad Carlson, and, and Victoria, Victoria Shaw. Shaw. Oh, and to you. And to you. Love you. Yeah, it feels like home.